You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 48. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, I'm sharing some tips on how to hike safely alone while doing outdoor photography. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending a little part of your day with me. A couple of weekends ago, I was out hiking alone in a remote wilderness area in Vermont, and it occurred to me that we haven't had an episode on outdoor skills in a long while. So today I thought I would share some tips on how to be safe while hiking and doing photography alone. It's a question that I get often, and so I hope these tips help you feel more comfortable and prepared when you trek out into nature. Before we dive in, though, I wanted to share with you some really sad news. I recently found out that one of Australia's most widely known and respected photographers, Gina Militia, has passed away. I'm sharing this with you because even though Gina was primarily a portrait photographer, Her podcast, So You Want to Be a Photographer, was one of the first photography podcasts I listened to back when I began studying photography more seriously. Gina and her co-host and friend, Valerie Koo, had wonderful chemistry on the mic, and the episodes were both educational and entertaining. Gina was a talented and prolific photographer, but more than that, she was an incredibly giving teacher with an infectious enthusiasm for helping people learn photography. And I think she will be remembered mostly for what she's contributed to the world in terms of her positive energy and her role as a teacher and mentor. Some of you may recall that Gina invited me onto her podcast last year, and I'm so grateful to have had that hour to chat with Gina. She kindly allowed me to share that interview with you on this podcast, which aired in episode 39. So if you haven't listened to it, I hope you do. But more so, I I hope you take the time to listen to the last episode of So You Want to Be a Photographer, where Valerie gives a very heartwarming tribute to Gina. So on behalf of everyone listening, I would like to offer my sincerest condolences to Gina's family her dear friend, Valerie, and to all of the photographers who were part of her gold community. Rest in peace, Gina. You are greatly missed. On a lighter note, I wanted to remind you that there is still time to register for the Out of Chicago Live Online Photography Conference, which is going to be held from March 11th through the 13th. Over the course of the weekend, you'll have access to over 60 amazing photographers, many of whom have been guests on this show. For my main presentation, I'll be sharing my approach to composition and creating personally expressive images. And I will also be giving a team presentation on photographing waterfalls and streams, which are some of my favorite subjects. And I'll be doing this along with Taylor Stone and Chrissy Dunnady, both of whom have been guests on the podcast. 
All of the presentations for the weekend are recorded and available for a whole year after the event. So check the link in the show notes to register, and I can't wait to see you there. Alrighty, let's talk about safety and hiking alone. I love hiking alone, and I'm fortunate in that I've always felt comfortable alone in nature. It's actually my preference, especially when I'm doing photography. But I know not everyone feels that way and may have concerns about trekking out by themselves. And while there is safety in numbers, there is also a way to be prepared, safe, and comfortable in the outdoors, even if you're going solo. Any piece of gear or resource that I mentioned today can be found in the show notes at outdoorphotographypodcast.com forward slash 48. So when I'm getting ready for an outing, I like to think about three basic categories when it comes to preparation. One, first aid and safety. Two, lost and found. And three, weather, warmth, and water. So let's talk about each of these in more detail. So we'll start with first aid and safety, and I have 10 tips that I will share on first aid and safety. So tip number one, I would say that it's essential to bring along a basic first aid kit to be able to treat things like cuts, blisters, rashes, minor pain management, and as a way of stabilizing a joint if needed, like with a wrap. In addition, if you have any medication that you need to take regularly, then it's a good idea to pack a few doses of that in case you get stuck out for a few days unexpectedly. Also, if you know that you are allergic to bees, then it's a good idea to pack an EpiPen during the warmer seasons. Tip number two, before you head out, make sure that your phone is fully charged and keep it off if you're not going to use it for navigation. And we'll talk more about navigation in a moment. Tip number three, it's a good idea, especially when you're starting out, to follow trails that are marked with blazes, which are usually colored paint marks on trees that show you the path of the trail, because sometimes these trails can be less evident after a snowfall or during the fall when the leaves are freshly fallen and haven't been stepped on yet. Tip number four, it's also best and sometimes required, depending on your location, to stay on the trail. And if you do have to veer off, say to relieve yourself or something like that, then be sure to note some landmarks like notable trees or rocks that can lead you back to the trail. Tip number five, get to know the local wildlife. So do a little research to understand what you might encounter and what to do if you do encounter one of these animals and how they behave when they're stressed out. If you are hiking in bear country, it's a good idea to use a bear bell or carry bear spray, which is actually required in some locations. You know, it's good to keep in mind that with most wild animals, they don't want to interact with you. And so if you are making enough noise, they will hear you before you ever see them. And it's better to alert them of your presence than to startle them. Tip number six, along with this, if you are hiking in an area that permits hunting, then be sure to look up the hunting seasons and decide whether you would still like to hike during that time. For example, I usually refrain from hiking during deer season in Vermont. And if you do decide to go out, definitely wear blaze orange. Tip number seven, carry a pocket knife or a multi-tool for safety, but also to help you repair anything in your pack or with your camera gear. 
Tip number eight, bring a headlamp even if you don't expect to be out after dark in case you do get stuck out overnight. Tip number nine, don't wear headphones. Now, some folks like to listen to music or maybe even this podcast while hiking. But if you are alone in a remote area, then you want to be aware of your surroundings, especially of things you might not be able to see, like approaching wildlife, other people that you may or may not expect to see, a rapid change in weather and things like that. So it's good to be using all of your senses when you're out, especially when you're alone. And tip number 10 for this category is know your limits. This refers to your physical limits, as well as to limits of things like daylight hours or your available food and water and any changes in the weather that may impact whether or not you continue onward and so forth. Remember, it's okay to turn around and go home rather than to trudge on. It's also a good idea to listen to that little voice inside your head who might be a little hesitant for some reason, and there's probably a good reason for that gut feeling. And lastly, a good indicator of whether you are pushing yourself or perhaps aren't making the best decisions is if you find yourself using that four-letter word, just. I'm just going to head off the trail for a minute. The light over there looks really good. Or it's just a little rain. I'm not that cold yet. Or I'm out of water, but the view is just another mile away. Accidents often happen after we justify pushing our limits in some way. And so be wary of that word, just. And I'll admit, I often find myself in that position, so I know how tempting it can be to forge on. So it's really important to know your capabilities and your limits and be honest with yourself. Okay, on to category number two, which I call lost and found. So the goal is always to be well prepared and not to get lost and to know what to do if you do get lost. So I have seven tips in the lost and found category. Tip number one, tell someone your hiking plan, any alternative routes that you may take, and when you expect to return. And if you don't have someone to tell about this, you can always write it down on a piece of paper with a date and time, and you can leave that in your car or on your counter at home. This way, if you do go missing, people will know where to start looking for you. Tip number two, I mentioned in the first aid and safety category that you should have a fully charged phone with you, especially if you're going to use it for navigation. And there are plenty of great apps out there for this. My favorite is Gaia GPS, that's G-A-I-A GPS. And you can download maps of the area that you'll be hiking in ahead of time. Uh, you can then use it to record your tracks, mark notable waypoints, add images, and so forth. It's a really great tool, and I've used it to navigate off-trail as well. However, you should never rely solely on a digital map. Your phone may die, you may lose it or bust it by accident. So redundancy is super important when it comes to safety, and this is why you should learn how to navigate with a physical map and compass and bring both with you when you're hiking. This way, if you do happen to wander off trail, whether intentionally or accidentally, you will have the tools you need to find your way back to the trail or to an area where you could be found. Having a topographic map is very helpful for this because you can readily see changes in elevation, and this can help you decide the best route to navigate. 
Tip number three, look up the local search and rescue phone number or forestry service for the area that you'll be hiking in and add that to your contacts in your phone in case you do have cell service and need to call for help. Tip number four, if you're spending time in the backcountry with no cell service, then I recommend getting a satellite communication device like the Garmin DeLorme InReach. This is the one that I used while exploring the Canadian Yukon alone in the winter. And I also use it when I'm heading out into the wilderness around Vermont, since we have very little cell service here. With a satellite communication device, you can track your route, share your GPS coordinates with someone, send a two-way text, and you can even hit an SOS button that shares your GPS location to the GEOS International Emergency Response Coordination Center, if you're using a Garmin device anyway, who will notify local search and rescue teams in case of a rescue. It does require a small monthly plan, but you can turn that on or off based on your needs. Tip number five, bring an emergency whistle and attach it to your backpack shoulder straps so that it's easily accessible. In the event that you are immobile or lost, then tweet it three times to indicate distress. Tip number six, have a form of identification on you. So in the event that you do need a rescue and are unwell or even unconscious, then having a form of ID with emergency contact and any medical information is key. This is why I like to wear an ID wristband, which is basically like a silicone bracelet with a small faceplate on it that can be customized to include whatever important information you want. I like it because it's lightweight, comfortable, and it's always on you. And I don't have any special medical needs myself, but if you do, you can include that on the faceplate. And I get mine from Road ID. I've had it for, for years from back when I was an avid cyclist. And I'm sure there are other vendors, but I'll put the link in the show notes for you for Road ID. Tip number seven, be sure to sign in and out of trail registers if the trail you're on has them. These are found at the trailhead and they are monitored by the local forestry service and trail crews. And so having a record of when you set out on your hike can be helpful in the event of a search and rescue. Okay, so now let's talk for a moment about what to do if you do get lost. So first and foremost, try not to panic. And I know this can be easier said than done, but if you keep your wits about you, you will be able to make better decisions. And keep in mind that five minutes before you realized you were lost, you were safe and enjoying yourself. So try to keep calm, drink some water, and don't rush your next steps. And there is an acronym that is helpful for when you get lost, and that is STOP, S-T-O-P. So S is for stop, stop walking, stay where you are, and try to remain calm. T is for think, think about where you are and take in your surroundings. Could you reliably retrace your steps? Do you notice any notable landmarks that look familiar? or that you could perhaps find on your map? And can you estimate how long it has been since you last knew where you were? O is for observe. So tune into your senses and observe your surroundings. What do you hear? Are any road sounds off in the distance somewhere? Can you hear any flowing water that would indicate a river or stream that you might be able to follow? How much time do you have before it turns dark? Can you orient your direction based on the sun and your map and compass? What does the weather look like? Does it look like it's going to change in the next couple of hours? So try to take into account these different observations. 
Okay. And the P is for plan. So based on these factors, what is your best plan of action? Should you stay put and wait to be rescued? Or can you reasonably and confidently find your way back to the trail or to a notable landmark on the map? Do you have the resources you need to keep moving, such as water, a headlamp, and proper clothing? Could you spend the night out and be okay? Is where you are right now safe? Would anyone notice if you were missing? Do you have a way to signal for help? Making the decision to move or to wait for help needs to be made on a case-by-case basis. But generally, if you are in a safe location, it's getting dark and you are tired or hurt, it's best to stay in place and wait to be rescued. Okay, so this brings us to the third category, which is weather, warmth, and water. So it should go without saying, but you should always check the forecast before you hit the trail, and not just for the day you're hiking, but also the overnight temperatures and the weather for the following day or two in case you do get stuck out. And it's a good idea to pack an extra insulation layer, a waterproof layer, a warm hat, and gloves. And I would recommend this actually for all seasons, because if you get wet or end up spending the night you can still be susceptible to hypothermia even in the warmer months. And you can pack these items into a compression sack so they take up little space in your backpack. Another way to keep warm is to bring high-energy snacks, so snacks that have a good balance of fats and proteins, like nuts, nut butters, protein bars, and jerky. Other items that are good to pack to help you stay warm are waterproof matches and a fire starter in case you need to build a fire, if it's safe to do so, or an emergency bivy or blanket. Sometimes these are called space blankets and they're made out of like a foil material. And these are super lightweight and they can actually fit in the palm of your hand. So they take up very little space in your pack and they work to trap your body heat and keep you warm that way. I also like to have a couple of disposable hand warmers with me as well. Also, keep in mind that if you are hiking in the sun, you'll also want to bring sun protection, like sunscreen, a build cap or hat and sunglasses. And if you are in an area with biting insects or ticks, you'll want to bring along the appropriate repellents for those as well. And lastly, let's talk about water. So staying hydrated is essential to survival. So make sure you bring enough water with you and have a way of treating water if needed. So what I like to do is I like to hydrate really well before I head out on a day hike. I then keep a liter of water in my truck for when I return, and I bring about a liter of water with me on the trail, depending on how long I plan to hike for and whether or not there will be reliable water sources along the way that I could use in a pinch. It's important to keep in mind that you should always treat water in the backcountry before consuming it. So there are basically four methods of treating water so that it is safe to drink. Boiling, chemical disinfection with something like iodine, chlorine, or chlorine dioxide, a filtration system, and a UV light like a SteriPen. Each of these have their advantages and disadvantages, so you need to decide what would be best for your situation. For example, boiling is a very effective method of disinfection, and it doesn't lead to a bad taste like chemical treatments do but it would require you to bring along a small stove, some fuel, and a pot or something to boil the water in. And if you're planning to do an overnight backpacking trip, then you may already be bringing these items along, so no worries. However, it may be overkill for a day hike. Filtration systems are lighter and less bulky, 
but be sure to read the fine print on what microorganisms they filter out. They're not all created equally. SteriPens are even smaller and also quite effective, but they require batteries and enough volume of water in your water bottle to be properly submerged in order to work. And lastly, chemical treatments are the most economical in terms of weight and space in your pack, but not all treatments are effective against all microorganisms that can wreak havoc in your gut. So for example, iodine tablets are commonly used as a way of treating water, but it's not effective against cryptosporidium, which is a parasite often found in water, whereas chlorine dioxide is effective against it. So you need to do your research and be sure you have what you need to treat the water from the area where you'll be hiking. So before you head out to hike alone, be sure to consider these three categories. Again, first aid and safety, lost and found, and weather, warmth, and water to be sure that you are covering your bases and can have a safe and comfortable time in Mother Nature. All right, thanks so much for listening to this Tidbit Tuesday. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you want to dive deeper into these and other outdoor safety tips, then I encourage you to check out episode 15 of the podcast where I interviewed Courtney Harvey, who is a wilderness first responder and search and rescue expert, and she shares a ton of helpful information in that episode. Again, you can find links to all of the gear and resources I mentioned today in the show notes at outdoorphotographypodcast.com forward slash 48. And while you're there, if you'd like to support the work I do, it would mean the world to me if you would take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify, which you can do directly from the podcast website. And I really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to hear from you and what sort of photography and outdoor questions you may have. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer on an upcoming Tidbit Tuesday, you can record it right there on the podcast website as well. And I'll be back here next week with climber and photographer Claude Fidler, who shares his lifelong passion for exploring the High Sierra, photographing in the backcountry with large and medium format cameras, his selective approach to composition, and more. And so until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care.